When you ask God for more of him, he says, what more can I give you? I gave you my son. There's nothing more I can give you. So when we ask for more, we're literally saying, okay, God, I'm ready to have less of me. I'm ready to decrease so that you can increase, so that you can have your way in my life and in the world around me. Welcome to Can I Get an Amen with Bishop Herson Gonzalez, the pastor of Vida Church in Woonsocket, Rhode Island. We would love to hear from you. You can email us at canigetanamen at gmail.com. I'm ready to have myself a good time in the Lord. I hope you are too. Come on, let's put those hands together. Let's go, Mr. Organ Player. little bit of old school church music to get you going this week. Come on, let's get clapping on that two and four, not that one and three stuff. Clap, clap, clap. There it is. Yeah. I am your humble host, Herson Gonzalez, and this is the 14th episode of Can I Get an Amen? That's right, for 14 episodes, I've been trying to get you to give me an amen. I know some of you have, but but let's try this. Let's do this. Can I get an amen? Can I get an amen? Somebody give me an amen. <laughs> you caught me on one of them days that I just got to lift up my hands and shout aloud to the King of Kings and the Selena Griffith says, praising God is contagious, especially for those of us who like being affected by Him. I sure like it. I really do love it that you are tuning in. I would like to hear from you. Email me at amen at gmail.com. And I'm going to ask you very kindly, very politely, and with all my heart, can you please give a brother a like, share, subscribe. In doing so, you help me reach more people. Advertisers like to see that we have a lot of likes, a lot of followers, a lot of subscriptions. And these advertisers could really help us go a long way in reaching more and more people. We're getting ready now for that segment that so many of you told me you like, headlines that you may have missed. The faith-themed Kendrick Brothers film Overcomer had a strong opening, placing third at the box office, making $8.2 million. This movie was produced and directed by two Baptist pastors, the ones that brought you War Room and Facing the Giants. Some disturbing news out of southwest Mexico. A pastor was killed after his church service on Sunday amid ongoing targeting of faith leaders by criminal gangs. Pastor Alfred Lictor Cruz Canseco was sitting in his car outside of Fraternidad Christian Church when he was shot at point-blank range. Ten religious leaders were killed last year in Mexico. Let's keep praying.
There are approximately 63,000 Google searches every second. That means 5.6 billion searches every day. And if you ever wondered, what are people Googling about God? Well, let me tell you, they are asking some interesting questions on Google regarding God. The searches include, what is the Bible? Who is Jesus? What is the church? Who is God? What is Christianity? What is heaven? What is sin? What is hell? What is the gospel? What is salvation? What is prayer? What does God look like? What is the fear of God? Most fascinating to me is how simple, how shockingly simple these questions are. People are looking for foundational answers, like who is God and what is prayer and what is the Bible. They're looking for critical definitions. These definitions would have been given to them by parents, but they stopped largely attending church, while most of them, about 73%, still consider themselves Christians. But Christians who don't go to church aren't going to be getting their answers from preachers or Bible study teachers or small group leaders. They're looking for these answers just the way they find out what the weather is going to be like next week. They ask Google. Pastors, teachers, life group leaders, Christian, our job, what we do, the way we testify about God, the way we talk about God, teach about Him, sing about Him, preach about Him. It's never been more important for us to be biblically accurate, for us to be relevant, and to display passion that you can't find from a Google search. Do not let your heart be troubled. Don't be dismayed. Some of this news is not always great, but we have to see the upside of down. God is in control. This is the last sermon in Upside of Down. It's called Decrease to Increase. We're going to go right to it right after this word from our sponsor. There was a gentleman by the name of Christian Herder. He was a governor of Massachusetts. He was running for re-election. He arrived late at a barbecue and, and he had not eaten breakfast. He hadn't eaten lunch. He was just hurrying up. He was so famished. And so when he gets to this barbecue, he asks, he gets to this place uh, where he's supposed to receive one piece of chicken. Somebody say one piece of chicken. The governor said to this lady, excuse me, do you mind if you, you give me another piece of chicken? I, I'm very hungry. And the woman replied, sorry. I'm supposed to give one piece of chicken to each person. He repeated, but I'm really hungry, hoping that she'd recognize him, you know. Uh, and, and, and she said, sorry, sir, one chicken, one person. And so, so he was normally a very humble guy, uh, but he decided that time to use his weight in office a little bit to kind of put a little muscle to try to get that extra piece of chicken. Amen. And so he says to the lady, madam, do you know who I am? I'm the governor of the state of Massachusetts. And the woman, without wasting any time, she said, Sir, do you know who I am? I'm the chicken lady. One chicken, one person. Move on! <laughs> Let me tell you something. When you know who you are, you're not afraid to use the authority that you have. Now, this woman... In any other place, that governor could intimidate her. He could use his influence over her, but not in her line, but not with her chicken. When you realize who you are, you're not afraid to use the power, the authority, and the, and, and the unction that God has given you. We are the church of Jesus Christ. 
And it's one savior, one chicken lady. Come on. There's only one God. Amen. And we got, we've got to, we've got to start to, to take, oh, to take our place and understand we're the people that give out one God, one truth, one baptism. Starting off with a real important sentence. Listen, the goal of spiritual maturity is to die to self. To die to self and to promote Christ. A process that fights against our pride and our sinful nature. Let me tell you something. Your sinful nature is fighting against your death to cry in Christ. Your sinful nature doesn't want to be lower, doesn't want to die, doesn't want to stop getting what it wants. Your sinful nature wants to do what it wants to do. But to fail to do this, to fail to die to yourself and to promote Christ, to fail to do that means having a, child, a, a childish relationship with God and never be satisfied. I put it this way. We are to be childlike in our faith, but not childish in our walk with God. We are to be like children in, in humility, like children in love and in faith, but not childish in our walk with God, not selfish in our walk with God. And a lot of us that are trying to live for Christ have too much self involved uh, earlier during worship I tried to explain that when you ask more when you ask God for more of him he says what more can I give you I gave you my son there's nothing more I can give you so when we ask for more we're literally saying okay God I'm ready to have less of me I'm ready to decrease so that you can increase. I'm ready to let go of all my dreams and ambitions so that you can have your way in my life and in the world around me. It's about humility and humility is a strange thing. The moment you think you've acquired it is the moment that you lost it. The moment you think I'm humble, boop, you're not humble. You just lost it. The moment you think you've achieved humility in your mind, oh yeah, I'm humble, gone. Now you're prideful about being humble. You just lost it. The word of God calls us to spiritual maturity. Having Christ increase in us and through us while having self decrease as we walk in God. Something should be happening in your walk with God. You should be losing yourself in God. You should be losing what you want in God. You should be losing the idea of who you were in God. Amen. And as you walk in God, as you decrease and he increases, he starts to give you a new idea of who you really are. He starts to give you a new vision of your life in him. Oh, this is so important this morning. Amen. This is a must. If, we're, if, if we want something greater than a weak faith or an immature relationship with God, this is a must. You must learn to decrease. You must learn to take God and give up self. Self must die. Christ must rise up. Let me tell you who John the Baptist was. John the Baptist was the first voice that began to speak out after 400 years of silence. God had not spoken to mankind for 400 years. 
God had, was fed up with their false sacrifices and, and, and all this stuff. God just shut up. Can you imagine 400 years? God didn't say a word and all of a sudden out of the desert calls this, God calls this, 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 this what people thought was a crazy man out of the desert and he starts preaching, repent, repent. And he starts to tell everybody, somebody's coming after me. This somebody is somebody that I'm not worthy of tying his shoes. The Messiah is coming. And so he was the first voice in 400 years to remind the people of Israel that God still had a covenant with them. So here he is preaching. And boy, the moment he starts preaching, people start getting saved. People start getting baptized. And John's ministry starts to take off like a rocket. And the Bible says that people were constantly coming to be baptized. John's ministry was on the rise. It was huge. He had the big man. He was bigger than Stephen Furtick. I mean, this guy, every time he preached, he preached near water because he knew that he wanted to baptize. He was John the baptizer. And the results of his ministry were that the greatest at this point. And, 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 and there was a great moment in the Bible where Jesus himself, when he's ready to start his ministry at the age of 30, Jesus goes and he, and he listens to John the Baptist. And, 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 and when he walks toward John the Baptist, he says, I want you to baptize me. But John realized, no, you're the one that I've been talking about. You're the one that I've been telling everybody about. You're the one I've been preaching about. You're Messiah. You should baptize me. I'm not worthy to baptize you. But, John, but Jesus said, no. It is, it, it, it is to fulfill scripture. Baptize me. And he takes him and he dips him. Boom. In the water. And when he comes out of that water, the skies open up and a dove begins to descend in the form of the Holy Spirit. And then all of a sudden, the audible voice of God was heard. This is my son. That's my God voice. This is my son in whom I am well pleased. That's a good God voice. Yeah. In that one picture, in that one scene, we get a, one of the very few pictures of the Trinity. Jesus Christ, Savior, standing in the water. The Holy Spirit coming down as a dove. And the voice of God speaking from heaven. The Holy Trinity in one moment. All active in our reality. It is amazing to see it. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit together. And guess who's a part of it? John! John the Baptist, you could argue he was responsible for this moment. His ministry is epic now. Oh, this is the guy. When John the Baptist, but when John the Baptizer baptizes you, God speaks. So people were going crazy with John. And everybody, every, and, and John had disciples. And, and John's disciples were like, we are the hottest thing in the country. Bigger than the Jonas brothers when they were big. There were large numbers coming to John the Baptist. But then Jesus begins to minister. And guess what Jesus starts to do? Baptize people. Oh, wait a minute. So people are looking at it and saying, okay, John the Baptist is the real deal. When he baptizes people, the skies open up. But Jesus, he's the one that John's been talking about. And so people started following Jesus more than John. And John's disciples didn't like it. They didn't get what was going on. Jesus' disciples were beginning to see these large 
movement and there was a switch over coming from 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 Jesus over from John and people were deciding to go with Jesus instead of John and John's ministry of baptism had peaked and it was on its way down in light of Jesus ministry when Jesus shows up the show that used to be has to go down remember this is a metaphor in my life I was the real show it was about me. It was everything about me. When Jesus comes, the attention goes to him. And even though I was the, 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 the greatest attraction in the world, now that Jesus is in my life, it's him, not me. John the Baptist had to deal with this new development. He didn't know what was going on. He didn't know it was going to happen and his disciples certainly didn't. So they were threatened by Jesus' success. And some people get upset when Jesus becomes greater and we start to do things more for him than us and the self in us starts to say, what's going on? I used to be able to do that without feeling bad. <laughs> I used to be able to say things without feeling bad. Uh, but ever since Jesus came into my life, things are happening. <laughs> the attention is starting to go more to what he wants than what I want. That's called spiritual growth. That's called that you're moving toward a place in spiritual maturity. Amen. Even good and godly people can wrestle with success. We all want to succeed, even in ministry. Believe me, I have chairs that we don't have out that I'd love to put out and be filled. I want to be successful in ministry because to me, that means that we're winning souls and making a difference. It means that we're helping people to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. Right? But there's a human side of me that wants to be known as a successful pastor. It is more than my calling. Additional to my calling, it is my vocation. And everybody wants to be good at what they do. Amen? And, and depending on how you determine what good is, that's how you see your success or your failure. I'm preaching somebody, amen? All right. It's easy to get wrapped up with the numbers. It's easy to get wrapped up with the outward appearance of success. It's easy to get caught up even while you're doing good work. I didn't think God, you know what? I don't think God is interested in our success. I think he's interested in our maturity. And if your success is going to get away in the way of your maturity, then God is going to work for your maturity, not your success. Because success doesn't get us to heaven. John's disciple came to him concerned about the decreasing numbers from the baptism. He's, he's where, oh, everybody's going to this Jesus. Everybody's going. Remember, they're following John. They, they, they've, they've made a commitment to follow John. They didn't know Jesus. Now, what they should have been doing was listening to John, what John was preaching. Because had they been listening to what John was preaching, what was happening would have been a blessing to their lives. John all along was saying, somebody is coming greater than me. And listen to what they tell John. Well, Jesus is baptizing now, he says. And everyone is going to him. Jealousy exaggerates truth. Jealousy always, listen, if you're jealous, it's probably based on a little bit of truth. But the problem is jealousy exaggerates truth. And it turns truth into a lie. 
Because once you exaggerate truth, you've left the, you've left the pureness of it. And it's no longer true. Yes, some people were going to Jesus. But, but remember, in, 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 we saw in scripture that John was seeing a lot of people still. There were still a lot of people coming to him in baptism. It is so easy to get comfort in doing the work of the ministry as long as your needs are being met. It's easy to, to minister so long as you get something out of it. So long as the people are paying tithes and paying offerings and all your needs are met. As long as you're getting famous and people are talking about you. As long as your, your Facebook Live is, is, is on fire and people are listening to can I get an amen. People will start to think this is working out for me. This gospel thing is good for me. Because I'm successful in what I'm doing. Yeah. It is so easy, but when, when God begins to interrupt our routine to remind us it's not about you, the gospel isn't so that you can live a comfortable and rich life. The gospel isn't so that you can have all your needs met. The gospel is so that Christ could have his way and people can have their need met by knowing Jesus Christ. John preached about repentance. John preached, he had baptized people. And he said, the Messiah is coming. And now that the Messiah came, his followers were confused. Amen. And there's, and there's, and there's something about this where, where John the Baptist knew what he was talking about, but his disciples, his underlings couldn't understand it. They were like, man, it looks like our ministry is, is fading. It looks like our relevancy is going. And this is what God does when he comes into your life. The eye starts to shrink and, and Jesus starts to gain popularity in your life. Because what really matters is what happens in us, not what happens to us. God cares about what's happening in you, not what's happening to you. If what's happening in you is right, it doesn't matter what's happening to you. If what's happening to you determines what's happening in you, then you're messed up. John realized this is a privilege, man. I've got this privilege. Fortunately, John had this clear focus of his own ministry. Even if his disciples had temporarily lost their vision, John immediately addresses their concern about Jesus and his growing popularity. By stating this thing, he, 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 he says, listen man, we have, we have been privileged to have been called to what we do. We shouldn't be jealous. In fact, we should be joyous. John put it this way, a man can receive only what is given him from heaven. A man can receive only what is given him from heaven. John simply meant that, that he was fine with the change because he had done everything given to him. Somebody say, I have to do everything given to me. And that's success. That's success. It's not that you would have two million followers on Instagram. It's not that you would build up the biggest church in the country. It's that you have done faithfully what's been given to you. That's the measure of success and failure. This is how we measure success in the kingdom of God. Have you done what God has asked you to do? Have we done what God has asked us to do? Not, not how many people are attending or how many people know our name or how many people are following us. Have we as a church, has Vida Church done what God asked us to do in relaunching our church? Have we done it? I think we're working on it. But success 
to us must be that we are doing what God said. Period. That's what John came to realize. I, I realize now that people are leaving, now that people aren't following as much because Christ is here and I'm happy about it. I'm realizing that I am fulfilled because I did what my task was. I, did, I told people about him and now people found him. That's success. <laughs> it's a privilege to be asked to do anything by God. No wonder Jesus, when he was talking about John, this is what Jesus said about John. Listen to this. I tell you the truth, among those born of women, which is everybody, there has not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist. Why? Because when it was his turn to move out of the way, he did. He didn't hold on to glory. He didn't hold on to fame. He didn't hold on to position. He didn't hold on to the accolades. He did what God asked him to do. And then he had the ability to move out of the way. And that's what God wants us to do. Listen, your life is your life. And I can't change that. Only you can change your life to his life. But there's going to be a process in that. You're going to start to lose what you want to do. I'd rather be a slave to righteousness to be free to do whatever I want because freedom to do what I want means a slave to sin the upside of down really you can you can you can the whole sermon you can sum it up with this I must decrease that's the down part so that he can increase that's the upside of down I'll find strength through weakness healing in brokenness victory through surrender that's the upside of down, my friends. God's appraisal of John has nothing to do with how many people were following him. God's appraisal of John had to do with John's heart and the fruit that was evident through his humble obedience. Hmm. John tried to explain to his disciples that their role was, was a privileged role. And he uses a, a, an analogy. He says, guys, we are the best man. We are not the groom. And that puts it into perspective, doesn't it? The best man doesn't focus his attention on himself. When the, when the pastor says, you may now kiss the bride, the best man doesn't jump in and kiss the bride. That'd be a scandal. That would make for some wedding. Imagine that, you may now kiss the bride, and the best man just pushes the groom out. Mwah! That's how some of us treat the gospel. We think we're the star of the show. John realized, I'm the best man. He's the groom. The church is the bride. I'm the best man. My job was to bring them together. My job is to find out what they need. And that's how, that's how John was able to, to, to phrase it. Listen to what he says. The friend of who attends the bridegroom waits and listens for him and is full of joy when he hears the bridegroom's voice. The joy is mine. That joy is mine, he says. And it is now complete. John is actually saying, I did what I was supposed to do. I promoted Jesus. Jesus is here. Now it's important for him to get greater and for me to become less. So for the next few minutes, I want to teach us how to do this. Because I can, I can preach this John thing 
I can get a lot of amens in this, but, but how do you do it? How do I, how do I decrease? How, how, how can he increase in my life? Philippians chapter 2, verse 9, 9 through 11. That is why God has now lifted him to the heights and have given him the name beyond all names. This is the way of increase, my brothers. So that the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow, whether in heaven or on earth or under the earth. Hmm. And that is why every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God. My friends, the way of increase is acknowledging this. This verse right here. That my knee bows before him, that my tongue confesses that he is the Lord of my life. Amen. Everybody wants Jesus as their Savior. Nobody wants him as their Lord because the Lord tells us what to do. The Lord has authority to tell us what is mine and what is not mine. The Lord has the authority to tell us to go or stay. The Lord has the authority. He actually is the land owner. Everything belongs to him. When he is Lord, nothing is mine. Everything belongs to him. Self dies. He rises up and he becomes Lord and King. Somebody shout amen. Come on, somebody shout amen. I need you to get this. In order for us to grow in maturity, we're realizing Philippians chapter 2 verse 9. My knee bows before him. My tongue confesses that he is the Lord. He controls my life. It's his word. Amen. And it's by the word of God. It directs my life. It informs my life. It informs my decisions. I do what the Bible tells me that I do. And, it, and I don't do what the Bible tells me that I shouldn't do. I live my life according to the word. John chapter 12, verse 32. You can look up at the screen. When I am lifted up, Jesus says, when I am lifted up on the cross, I will draw everyone to me. And when we become mature believers, this becomes the excitement of our lives. It's not, it's not, it's not the stuff that used to excite us. It's not the gossip or, or the fighting or, 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 or the raunchy television. No, no, no. What excites us now is that when we lift him up, he draws men into himself. So our recognition of this increase comes through Colossians chapter 1, 18 through 19. He is the head of the body, the church, the starting point of all things, the first to come again from the dead so that in all things he might have the chief place. For God in full measure was pleased to be in him. Ephesians 1 22 goes very well with that. It says, God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be the head over everything for the church. I must decrease. I must, de I realize that he is great. He is great. He is increasing in my life. This is what makes the upside of down very clear to me. Matthew chapter 16. Verses 24 to 26. Then Jesus says to his disciples, if anyone wants to follow in my footsteps, he must give up all rights to himself. Take up his cross and follow me. For the man who wants to save his life will lose it, but the man who loses his life for my sake will find it. For what good is it for a man to gain the whole world at the price of his real life? What could a man offer to buy back the life once he has lost it? 
it's important. If I don't decrease, he can't increase. If I want more, that means I need to get rid of some of the stuff that's in me. Amen. Romans chapter 12, verse 3. As your spiritual teacher, I, by the grace of God, the grace that God gave me, give this advice to each of you. Don't cherish exaggerated ideas of yourself or your importance. <laughs> but try to have a sane estimate of your uh, capabilities by the light of the faith that God has given to you. I realize that I have gone as far as I can go. But when, I, when Jesus comes into the picture, I need to take a back seat to him. It's his show. His show in my life. His show in my life. I decrease as you increase. It's all about you. It's not about me. I decrease as you increase. It's all about you. It's not about me. Hallelujah. The song captures the sermon perfectly. And today, the altar call is for everyone. I'm not going to give you a chance to say no to this altar call. I'm just going to pray for everybody. Because all of us need to decrease. The moment you think you're humble, you lost it. Everybody needs to decrease. All of us. There's too much... I in our culture. There's too much I in what you want to do with your life. When you came to Jesus, that same phenomenon that happened to John the Baptist should be happening to you. He is rising up in my life. It's his show now. Thanks for listening to Can I Get an Amen with Bishop Herson Gonzalez. If you enjoyed our program, please like, share, and subscribe to this podcast wherever you're listening. Until next time.